0: Welcome everyone to The Sages Among Us. Nevada County has a legacy of rich resources from sparkling rivers of water and gold to amazing scenery and recreational opportunity. But like many places, its most amazing resource may just be the people who live here, particularly those who work to make a better place for everyone. The Sages Among Us attempts to find out who these people are, why they do what they do, and how their efforts make a positive difference for us all. I'm your host, Brian Buckley, and we have a special guest tonight, I'm pleased to announce that tonight marks the 10th anniversary of the very first broadcast of The Sages Among Us, which aired on July 10th, 2013. In honor of that occasion, we have invited the very first person to be interviewed on the show, Christine Kelly. At the time, Christine was the Executive Director of Music in the Mountains. There have been a number of posts and career changes since then, and we'll get to that in a moment, but right now, it is my sincere pleasure to say welcome to The Sages Among Us, again, Christine. <laughs>
1: It's so fun to be here. I can't believe this actually worked out so well. You know that that I was I was going to be uh, you know changing my trip plans and coming back and
0: it was in the stars. It,
1: it was literally in the stars, and um, I'm just so happy to be here and talk to you. It was so lovely to catch up, and really looking forward to today's interview. It's like
0: it was yesterday, huh? <laughs> So you were the first guest interviewed on the show 10 years ago, but your involvement in what was called the SAGE Leadership Project at the time began several years before that. Um, How did you first become involved in the SAGE's project, and and what exactly did you do? Well, um, I was approached by
1: Gary Quayle, who ended up becoming one of my dear friends and mentors um about this project he said would would you be interested in and in, you know we I, I can't bill burquist right was his mm-hmm. friend who he wanted to write this book with about what was unusual about this community what he's what he saw as like this unusual as you said resource which was its people and at the time <laughs> we were just laughing i was quote, an emerging SAGE leader. So I think that was somebody who was under 55, and I have since crossed over to (laughs) the other side, and now I'm a SAGE leader. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. in that process, um, we uh, selected, we got to select, I think, four people each of all of the people who were uh, selected to help do these interviews. Um, and I found four people who I found inspirational in the community, doing inspiring work in the community and interviewed them. And of course you and I interviewed each other. Um, the book was published. Um, and, um, since then, you know, I think that, I I think it's like a, um, a project that's always stayed with me because it really had this incredible way of weaving together, um, you know, the the intention that I think people bring to um, living here mm-hmm. in so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you are working um, with land use issues like the Bar- U.S. Um, land Trust or whether Circles. you're a yeah. circle with the environment in the river, whether you're in the arts like music in the mountains or in concerts here, or certainly Center for the Arts, which is really just incredible, the work that's being done there now. Um, all these things have, you know, it's, it's how we weave these together intentionally and want to be together. That, um, was so fascinating about that project. Mm -hmm. And I still see at work here today.
0: You were actually responsible for the title of the book, were you not? I
1: was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I mean, I didn't know that you knew that. Yeah, Gary was struggling with a you know, what what do we call this thing? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think I wrote, I think I might have wrote a little intro piece or a forward, and, and yes, The Sages um, Among mm-hmm. Us was, or that, that was.
0: And were you already with Music in the Mountains at that time? You When you first uh, were approached about the project, weren't yeah. you...
1: I had just taken the Helmet Music in the Mountains, which is, I think, I think I started there in December of 2011. And um, and before that, I had um, run the Sierra Mentoring pro- um, Partnership, um, which is, I think, where I met you. And it was definitely mm-hmm. where I met Gary. Um, and I had just taken the Helmet Music in the Mountains um, in 2011. Uh, so I think the, the book was published in 2012 mm-hmm. and the interview started in 2013.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um you were interviewed yourself, and you interviewed a number of other people. Any takeaways from that experience um, over a dozen years ago now? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I think just kind of going back to what I was saying, I, I loved hearing people's stories. It's kind of mm-hmm. like why you why you do this show. Right? And, mm-hmm. and, and seeing, I think when you hear people's stories, it's not only, um, you know, it's it's how you are reflected in those stories and how you see yourself as part of that so if you know one of the people that i remember interviewing um is heather jacobson Mm -hmm. um it was for heather jacobson is now heather hunt um who just opened her new um place hunt vitality and um and they um you know sort of how she was so invested in community health and looking at her, you know, now a dozen years later and what she's done particularly for, um, she does a lot of cranial cycle work and she works a lot with young children and, you know, like somebody like that is continuing to inspire me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, am always inspired by the people that, um, that I'm surrounded by. And so I I still feel inspired by them and watching them do the things that they're continuing to do Mm -hmm. in the community.
0: So, uh, you know, we we kind of set the clock um, with knowing that you were working with the uh, Sierra Mentoring Project and and then Music in the Mountains back then. Since then, you've had a a number of different positions and and jobs. Uh, Why don't you catch us up a little bit? So in uh,
1: 2015, I left Music in the Mountains and started a consulting firm. Um, which is called Fix Creative, and originally the intent was to um, it was to really explore. Actually, I was really interested in exploring what a fiscal sponsorship model could look like for small nonprofits. Um, i s- seen so I see so many uh, small nonprofits, and by small I mean I you know I've worked with very very large nonprofits, 140 million dollars a year now, and up to very you know 50, 60 thousand dollars a year, and to help a smaller nonprofit's access um you know service professional services whether that's with fundraising or executive leadership or whatever um that may be and so i had a sort of an amalgam of clients to start off with and um and i really started leaning into um what we are what is actually now called executive transition management etm um and um developed a very robust interim executive management practice um, so part of my Part of the consulting is in interim executive management, which is quite different from being the reg- you know sort of a day-to-day executive director. And part of my business is doing other sort of pro- projects like strategic planning, organizational assessment, et cetera. And I primarily have worked in the Bay Area in the last seven or eight years, mm-hmm. eight years, nine years now.
0: So you you know I eighty well. Yeah. Yeah,
1: too too well yeah. and too far done. I know I I all of it. I actually was approached by an organization down in the peninsula a couple of weeks ago, and I said I just I just can't go that far. Mm-hmm. That just no matter, even though that we're a, we're able to do the the you know the tele a lot of the telecommuting right. and hybrid work,
0: it's just that's just too far at this point. So it sounds like you've had a a, a rich uh, career with a number of different uh, experiences as a as a consultant. Um obviously there's been a lot of life experience in in the last 10 years too. Yeah. Um what are some of the highlights for you uh, or lowlights or or both <laughs> or a um um in your life over the it's last It's all decade?
1: of it, isn't yeah, it? Really. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's just a rich it's been a rich 10 years. That's a decade, right? It's like a it's been a rich decade. And I um you know, I think that I have really loved being a consultant. I've really loved finding um, my footing and my strengths. Um, I'm sure you've interviewed Jennifer Singer, um, mm-hmm. who has done this um, this amazing. She, not only does she run, of course, Bright Futures for Youth, but she introduced me to Clifton Strengths um, years back, um, somewhere in this last dec- decade. And, um, I've really started to understand sort of by utilizing that work that my, you know, four of my top five strengths lie in the quote unquote strategic realm. So I'm really able to see the forest from the trees and sort of, you know, get to the heart of issues pretty quickly. And so those are the things, those are the types of experiences that I've had over the last 10 years that have been amazing, right? With clients that have been incredible working with a merger, um, I was just, mentioning to you that, you know, I helped merge the Oakland Youth Chorus with the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir, um, been working with the Hewlett Foundation on some founder transition um, issues. We're going to write a case statement about that for them, which has been fantastic. So like work has been very rich and very diverse. And then personally, um, we've also just, you know, had some really big um, issues as I think a community, as a country, honestly. And then also as a family, I um, two years ago, um, my stepson had a heart transplant and that was right sort of smack in the middle of COVID, um, which was really an intense time for our family. Um, it was intense time for this community. And those things kind of all merged together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we We're also going through this disaster and emergency response. I was very involved in the Mad County Relief Fund um, as well. So it's been um, a lot of amazing, um, Uh, I think successes professionally, um, but also just some humbling experiences personally. And I hope you know my goal is always to just take those and put them in the big stew of experience and learn from them. Right? I am a student teacher. I am not, you know, I am. I, I have expertise, but I am no expert type of a situation. You know, I try to bring that to everything that I've done.
0: You have uh, a unique situation, too. I, I just learned about uh, blending family and career uh, and, and being able to work with your daughter. Yeah,
1: yeah, Two years, about two years ago. I mean, it's funny because, you know, Matisse was highly involved in music in the mountains and, of course, came up through all of their programs, and that was one of the reasons I think that I got, you know, was interested in, in working with that organization and got introduced to it, but... Um, uh, about two years ago, she and I decided that we were, you know, we'd been sort of working peripherally since about 2018. She had done some client work for me, and and we decided, okay, we're going to do this thing together. So yes, Fix Creative is a consulting firm consisting of myself and Matisse Genty, who is my daughter.
0: Great, great. yeah. So how do, how do you divide the work? Is, is That's that a
1: great question? Yeah, she's, you know, her um, her her greatest gift or not his, her greatest gift. I don't want to say her greatest gift, but certainly one of her great gifts is um, that she's very interested in resource development and resource movement. So she's a great fundraiser. She really knows how to tell people the story of things that are very, very important. So she focuses primarily on the fundraising and fund development side of the business. And I primarily, work more on the sort of executive leadership and strategy side of things. But a lot of this over, you know, we talk about clients all the time. They always overlap and, and interweave. But um, she just actually finished up um, an interim. She also does the interim work, but as a chief development officer at um, Children's Fairyland in Oakland. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a great, a fabulous organization. I know a lot of people have a lot of great memories there.
0: Mm-hmm, hmm So uh, there's, I mean with the evolution of the workplace, this is happening with a lot, but you, you definitely take a lot of your work home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I work from, I, I'm people who are, are pretty familiar when I, when I don't have a blurred background, which is most of the time, um, you know, I work from my home office mm-hmm. and I'm back in you know, I, in, I'm back and forth in the Bay area mm-hmm. a couple times a month when I have mm-hmm. a client there that I really need to see. Um, or be in office Mm with, um, but does
0: Matisse share that space as well?
1: No, she also has a home office. So sometimes, or, or she's in my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we'll take a client call and she'll be in the kitchen, which happened the other day when we had that earthquake. Remember we had the earthquake. Mm -hmm. That was very funny because we were talking to somebody down in Davis, um, a potential client down in Davis and the earthquake came through and we felt it and we were just like oh my gosh I've got it she's got it and about 15 seconds later the whole crew that was on the call in Davis is like oh, here it is it was kind of funny yeah so right, she's right. yeah
0: and and did they know that, that you were talking from the uh the same building
1: <laughs> we let them know sometimes <laughs> it's hard because the dog starts barking and then you know <laughs> at that point they're kind of clued in
0: <laughs> so so you've mentioned uh, you know there's been a, a rich life with both uh, career and personal events uh, and changes um, how do you think you have changed mm-hmm. um, how or We're going to get to more of that, how you've changed, but Hmm. how have your life events over the last decade, how do you think they've had an impact on you or have changed you in any way?
1: Mm. Uh, They've changed me a lot. I think I was probably, um, well, it's funny because I went back and I read our interview and one of the things that I think that there's a similar question <laughs> around that, right? Like, you know, what are what are some of your the things that you are always working with? And one is for me is my will. I always feel like that, like I have this strength of will, and if I if I want something to happen, I will make it happen. And that's been a great gift in many levels. But it's also um, been you know sort of interesting to understand that you can only do, you can only bring to the table what you um, what. What you have to bring to the table, and whether people want to accept that, and 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 um, and you know, sort of their pers- what, whether what you bring is rich and and helpful to them. I always try to think. I always want to come from that position of being helpful, and I think about that a lot with with. And I tell clients that actually, I'm like, I'm I'm here to be helpful. I, I you know, this is not you know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you through whatever issue that you're experiencing. So I think I've become much more sort of understanding about, you know, just that fallible human fallibility really. Mm -hmm. And just the, the, you know, we're all, I think I really do believe that most people are trying the best that they can. I really do (laughs) believe that now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just, it's not, good enough for the situation or it's some, or sometimes it's, it, it, but everybody's trying the best that they can. And Mm -hmm. I still kind of, so I hold on to that really, really strongly. So I think that that's really, when I think about, you know, how's this, how's the last 10 years of my professional life, um, influenced, Mm -hmm. you know, I just like think that I I have more patience with people, Mm -hmm. with humans in general. And, um, yeah y- you're, situations. you're
0: comfortable with the ambiguity the that ambiguity, <laughs> the ambiguity exactly <humans> yeah <laughs> to, to the <laughs> right. situation
1: yeah. yeah this is it's you know when i was um i was interim um ed at, at the marin ballet and and the board chair was saying you know, if the, on my send-off party where i got this great blue tutu um, you know why this partnership has worked so well is because Christine is so comfortable with ambiguity, and I am not. <laughs> and uh, it, it has. I think that I think that's also sort of something that I can also bring to the table is, you know, that understanding. Especially as a consultant, you've been through so many different situations. You know, people a lot of times when they're in crisis and they're or they're having a hard time, they think that they're the only one, and they're the only one that's experienced this before. And I think that that's also something where I can just like you know, it's okay. You know, we'll get through this.
0: And consultants have a unique ability to, uh, by virtue of their position, not, not to take things quite as personally.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's a hard thing to learn for me personally, but that's probably why I do it too. Mm -hmm. Right. It's also really like, that's why it's been Mm -hmm. so successful for me. It's because we always kind of, right. We want to lean into our strengths, Jennifer Singer, but we also, you know, want to put challenges before us. And I think that's certainly always been one for me.
0: (laughs) You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR, and we're talking tonight with uh, Christine Kelly, who was interviewed 10 years ago today um, as the first guest on The Sages Among Us. At the time, she was the executive director of Music in the Mountains, but uh, she has moved on to a number of of other challenges and uh, career stops, and we're finding out exactly how the last decade has gone (laughs) for her. you know, beyond the impacts of our life events, um, our own the essence of our beings, our, our, our own physical bodies and our perceptions can change with time as well, uh, independently of life events. Are there any innate differences in Christine Kelly now uh, versus Christine Kelly 10 years ago, just in terms of your outlook?
1: I, you know, you, you actually just brought it up right there. I think I used to take things so much more personally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I also used to think that, you know, my, like my ability, my ability, my will, my skill set, et cetera, um, always had to meet the, the situation, right? I always had to solve for the problem. Um, And if I didn't, or if there was conflict, that it was my failing, right? Mm -hmm. Is my failing as a person. And I still struggle with that a little bit. But you can't be successful in this business, um, in consulting, if you do take things personally. And so that has been a big shift for me, is to try to let go of that. And I still... But also to be generous with myself when I know that there are situations that maybe are not good for me or not Mm -hmm. haven't been maybe healthier the right thing or whatever for whatever reason Mm -hmm. is to be able to um walk away (laughs) and say, you know, I didn't didn't work. That didn't work or I did my best there. And instead of feeling like I was a failure because Mm -hmm. it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was I think that's one of the great things I've learned about, you know, in consulting and how, how that's been so important for me.
0: Great. Great. Um, you know, we've been talking about changes that you recognize in, in yourself. Um, but you know, there's a lot that's happened in the world uh, (laughs) since 2013. Um, what, what are some of the big changes that you've seen in the world Um, and how have you personally responded to some of those changes? Yeah.
1: I think that, um, you know, I'm still, I still see this in a lot of my clients too. I don't think that we have reckoned yet with what I've called post-traumatic, um, COVID disorder. And I think that was really painful, um, to see such division, certainly in our community, um, and of co- everywhere, right across across the world, and 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 there were so many. Par- it was everybody sort of retreated to this like most scared and uh, parts of themselves, right? Like fear and anger was really present, and that was um, that was really concerning for me. And and I've always thought that if we work, you know, I have I have a little. I don't always just say, to,
0: just to clarify your your. Uh, you're talking about the polarization of, of views yeah. on on what COVID was and how well, yeah, to deal with it. how to
1: deal with it. Um, and, and just also the, the separation that we had to experience from mm-hmm. that, right? Just not being in the room together. Um, kids not being able to go to school for so long. I mean, a whole generation of kids, you know, lost two, three years of schools, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of being together. And that's so formative. So... Um, I think that was just, I think there's still a lot that we have to wrestle with coming out of that. And it's actually been one of the sort of compelling things for me about, you know, I've mentioned to you that um, a group of really committed community leaders are taking the mantle up and and starting a community foundation here. Um, and
0: Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk about that because... I was so, um, I, I just, before I got here, I went back and I reread our interview. And one of the questions was, you know, do, do you see yourself continuing in this line of work and in, in, the, in the future? And and my response was, oh, yes. And I, you know, I always considered myself to be a nonprofit and wanting to work in social impact. Um, but I said, I also am really interested in, in, um, seeing whether we can get a community foundation started here. So 10 years ago, there was a group of people, actually, it's probably 15 years ago, there's a group of people who are working on that, um, uh, some just really incredible committed community leaders. Um, and for so many reasons, it didn't manifest at that time. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right group. They didn't have the right leadership in place, et cetera. And uh, coming out of the Nevada County Relief Fund, which I was intimately involved with primarily because um, Caleb Dardick called me up and said, would you like to be, you know, do you, do you have some time to volunteer? Because I wasn't working at the time because it was like everything was shut down. I said, absolutely. Um, so coming out of the relief fund, a group split off, a steering committee split off, and decided to do a, fee- a real feasibility study, which took about a year and a half to see whether... We really have the resources, the, the commitment that it takes to build a community foundation here. And so um, we have formed a board of 14 people. Um, Richard Baker is the chair. Erin Noel is the vice president. Lauren Maddox is the treasurer. And I myself am the secretary because I hold all the files <laughs> and I keep things going. Um, and it's been so exciting to see how people are responding to this um, like I said I, I I'm the oldest <laughs> as the sage leader I'm the oldest person on the board there's a whole group of people who are younger and coming into this community and and have been here like also like I'm um, you know families like Richard Baker's and Tom Ivys that and Aaron's you know have been in this community for a long time that see the potential of um, sort of a, um, an organization that Or sort of this, uh, so an organization that acts like a catalyst and a convener and can look at the community as a whole, as opposed to specific individual issues. Um, So we've just, I, I'm so grateful to share that we have our first lead gift. Um, The county is actually, um, sort of, has a matching gift of two hundred fifty thousand dollars that they've committed. Once we raise those, we're looking to raise three years of operating funds. And, um, I have a
0: ballpark timeline when you think, uh, we'll be operational.
1: We got, we actually got a logo and, you know, we're getting. I think we, I think we're just a week or two away from our 501 C three we're incorporated. So I think, you know, our hope is to really have this up and running by the fall. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, we're sort of in Mm -hmm. the silent phase right now of doing, you know, sort of our major asks for, to raise these three years of operating funds.
0: So, we're putting together a community foundation um, and you're taking a, a, you know, a leadership role with that. In the last 10 years, you, you've you already addressed one issue, COVID. But, you know, do you see any changes in the community, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that are changing in what you might consider a positive direction or, or a direction that you're not feeling as positively about? I th- I think
1: it's both, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that you can't, you, you can't have... You can't have the light without the dark or the the dark, you know, Mm -hmm. it just really is, it's kind of both things. What what do you
0: think some of the most salient changes are? Yeah, I
1: think, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of, we're seeing an influx of, you know, uh, new, hopefully remote work will allow for more people to come up here and live and work in this this area. But with that, you know, one of our biggest challenges is housing costs. You know, I think that that is something that is so, so hard. I mean, I remember when we bought our first house here in 1992, um, 93, actually, it was 93 that we bought our house. I mean, it was Anyway, it was, you know, at the time, houses were plentiful and cheap. And, you know, when when I see, you know, people who also have long roots here and their children wanting to be able to settle down here, um, it's very hard to afford a house here on a salary um, that you know mm. that that people are are can afford here, mm-hmm. um, and of course you know we see a lot of rising you know some social issues that are that are being experienced everywhere. I think because of um, inequities right. in our system, and right. so I think that that's something that you know we really need to I think work together to start thinking about how we're going to solve for those so that everybody in our
0: community can lead a healthy and right. wonderful right. life. So. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left, and I have one question for you. You kind of uh, alluded to this a little bit before, but so you were identified way back when, when we first talked, as an emerging sage leader, uh, <laughs> and since then you've crossed over to what Gary Quayle termed a senior sage leader, and <laughs> That's so that funny. that that sage leadership has had time to mature in the bottle, so to speak. <laughs> Um, So if you were going to mentor someone now, what would be some of the key truths that you would want to pass on to them? Mm.
1: I think, you know, um, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't really believe in absolute truths, honestly. I think that it's, it's important to um, hold a sense of hope, um, curiosity to be to be very strong and understand what your values are your core values the values of your family um like we were talking about earlier like we, you will be involved in many different things that come and go and, and in fact i think now it's so rare for people to stay in one career their entire um, their entire lives i think now it's really different and and it's more about like holding on to understand what your values are and what's important to you and what's and how you can you know uh imbue everything that you work with with those
0: values Mm -hmm. great advice (laughs) well thank you christine it's great to see you again 10 years later you haven't changed much and uh and the ways you have you know are wonderful so uh, it's really nice to have you on the stages among us again
1: thanks for having me